this episode, John and I introduce the new co-hosts who are joining our team. Before we do that, though, we have an exciting announcement to make. And it's about something that John dreamt up. And so I'm going to be handing over to John to explain what this is all about now. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, I suppose it, it was always in the back of my mind, you know, how great it would be to get the podcast recognized and kind of established within the community. Yeah. Similarly to how we have journals, because I think the podcast has the potential and we're already seeing it really. Yeah. Um, anecdotally to be not only a resource for the public as we initially attended, but also very much a resource for people in terms of their learning yeah. as a point of reference. And we've already, we've already, Matt, been referenced in somebody's TAJ article. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely so accomplished. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, I'm very passionate about the fact that having audio resources for people, particularly people with different learning styles is very important. Yeah. Well, it's always been a drive really for both of us. I think that we, we get this podcast, um, recognized across the TA community. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose one of the ways to do that was to get the main organizations to, to sponsor it. Yeah. Um, and it has happened. Yeah. And you've done a really good job with this. I must say that your your spirit and your determination to engage with the the bodies that are sponsoring us now has been fantastic. Just a great example of of collaboration, really. Thank you. Yeah, I I'm nothing if not persistent. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but also definitely grown up with the philosophy that you don't get unless you ask. Right. So yeah. I think you know. It was always a possibility that people might not be interested, but actually yeah. we got an incredibly warm welcome. When yes. we reached out, I have yeah. to say people were instantly on board, intrigued, wanted to explore the collaboration. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that wasn't, that was very important for both of us was that it would be a collaborative project. Yes, and absolutely. That, which means collaboration between two of the main TA organizations. Yeah. So shall, shall we tell? Yeah, everybody? go on. Drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> so we are delighted to announce that in 2023, the podcast is going to be sponsored by ITAA, the International Transactional Analysis Association, and IATA, the European Association for Transactional Analysis. Yeah. We are thrilled. Yeah. Such great news. Such, yeah. such a wonderful thing. It's and, a big and, Yeah. And it means that each episode we will be announcing that they sponsor us. And they also will be involved in quality assurance, making sure that what is shared on the podcast is in line with their ethics and in line with the spirit of TA as well. Yes, absolutely. That was also an important part, I think, yeah. of, of the, the whole project, really, yeah. was that it would be kind of oversight and yeah. ensure that it was in line the same the way it would happen with TAJ yeah, um, or with the research journal, yeah, that there would be kind of some sort of editorial oversight yeah. on the content. Um, and I'm delighted to say that after, I don't know what it is, a year and a half maybe of, of working together, that all happened. And yeah. obviously this all coincides with what we announced in the last episode, which is that I am stepping back. Yeah. Letting Matt take the reins. I just want to say a big thank you to all of the people who have been involved. And it has changed a little bit. The the people who have been involved from the ITAA and AATA in order to have these discussions and conversations and, and talk about the sponsorship, talk about what the parameters would be and the, the financial support that they've given us. But especially, I just want to say a huge thank you to Steph Oates, who has been guiding us and helping us an awful lot with getting through this process and getting to the finish line. Steph, you have been wonderful and we're so grateful. Yes, absolutely. I've been the guiding light 
and has been so supportive of the whole uh, project. And yeah. Matt, I think an article written by Steph will be coming in the script yeah. uh, about this whole project. So there'll be more detail in there for people who are members and get access to the script. And also to say, you know, this has always been for the whole community. Yeah. So no more than ever, if you want to get involved, if you have ideas, please do email us. Matt and I are always so encouraged by the emails people send us of the ideas they have or just to give us encouragement. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you have got a little bit of time and you listen to the podcast, there are some things that I could really do with a little help with in terms of identifying highlights that we could post out as just little shorts and extra little bits and bobs in our social media feed. So yeah, if you've got a bit of time and you're able to support us, that would be much appreciated. Yes. Great. So now we're going to lead into what we previously recorded, which is the introduction to the new co-hosts. This is Three People in Your Head, a podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Co-hosted by Matt Taylor and myself, John Fleming. Sponsored by the International Transactional Analysis Association and the European Association for Transactional Analysis. So we are into the transition episode in many ways. You could describe this as... Yeah, this is now officially episode 29 29 i think yeah something like yeah that. so i suppose we talked a lot didn't we in the one about what the last three and a half years has been like for us and the high points the different profound moments we had with different yeah. guests yeah and then we ended with some changes and keeping in mind our aim as well just repeating that is to promote ta and also to do it so it's equally represented across all four fields of transactional analysis. And actually, that's really important for the transitions that are taking place. Yeah, I think I'm a stickler for that because I think it's so important to try and create equity yeah. across the fields of TA. Because like I said in the last episode, psychotherapy is the dominant field. And that's simply because the roots of TA are in that approach. Yeah. And there's some exceptionally valuable theory work insights from counseling from the educational series and the organizational field yeah. and i suppose counseling is an interesting one matt isn't it because definitely in the uk and ireland we have a tendency to bundle counseling and psychotherapy together because yeah. counseling and psychotherapy but in in ta with quite a lot of intention they have been separated out as into two separate approaches and from our first counselling series episode with Rosemary, yeah. as she talked about, that's because counselling in TA isn't always therapeutic. That's Sometimes right. it's what she referred to as being complementary yeah. counselling. And that might be a vicar, a hairdresser, a, a yeah. cleaner, somebody with another profession, but that works with people. Yeah. And so that's probably a good segue, is it, into talk about one of the <laughs> yeah so what we're going to be doing in future because john as we announced in the last episode he's taking a step back and he's going to be the co-host for organizational and the special themes episodes then it means that we have been looking for co-hosts for the other three fields and so this episode is introducing three new co-hosts and with no further ado, we're going to introduce our two new co-hosts for the counselling episodes, and they are Parul and Joy. So welcome to the team. Thank you. It's lovely to be here and to join you in this podcast. I, I can introduce myself yeah, my, please do. Yeah, to kick this off. So my name is Parul, Parul Arora. I'm based in India. I'm in my fifth year of TA study, currently doing TA Advanced and preparing for CTA in counseling. Yeah. My supervisors are Dr. Surya Prakash, who's based in India and who I started with, and uh, Sylvie Monin, who's based in Switzerland, and she's helping me with the counseling part and getting those skills. Yeah, and uh, as roles that I hold in TA, I'm part of the executive committee of SATA, which okay. is the South Asian Association of TA. It's the nodal body for networking and developing professional competencies in transactional analysis. 
And over there, my role primarily is to be part of the development team. So to help develop TA in this area, in this region, by hosting talks, by inviting guests and holding events on a regular basis. So you're already doing work of promoting TA, very much integrated into your work, and you're not even qualified as a CTA, very similar to me and John before we even qualified with thinking, oh, we should promote this stuff. This is really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I really enjoy this. Um, I use a lot of social media like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn to post about the events. And I think that now has become such an important part, much like this podcast, right? So those are the things that have that have been quite interesting for me. Yeah. I'm really interested uh, about how you found TA. That was one of the things that Matt talked and I talked about our stories into TA in one of our very first episodes. So how did you first come across it? What was the attraction? Yeah. So I started volunteering with an NGO in India. And as part of that, I trained in the Carl Rogers way of counseling. So I started Mm. with people-centric work. I still volunteer four hours a week, at least, at that NGO. Once I started doing that for clients, I started getting in touch with my own issues or blocks. And I went for therapy for the first time (laughs) to a therapist, to a counselor, and realized that he was using TA as his primary modality. And it just really appealed to me. I signed up for my for TA 101 back in 2018. It just satisfied that need for structure that I have yeah. because I, it appealed to the rational, logical part of me. Yeah. And what I loved is that it had very clear frameworks and tools mm-hmm. that I could use to make sense of what I was feeling, to also help diagnose what it is if someone comes with a problem to diagnose the core issue. It also allowed for a language which was easy to use with people, right? So if you, for instance, you're talking to a client or you're talking to a friend, you have a language of what we call as psychoeducation to explain what strokes mean. Or even if you don't want to go that deep, even as simple as how to structure time. Mm-hmm. Those are such important and simple ways mm-hmm. for us to make a difference. And that yeah. difference might be small or big in someone's life, depending on what it is that they are dealing with or coming for. So that's how I got introduced to TA in 2018. And now I'm here thinking about writing my own exam. So that's been my journey so far. That's great. Because Matt and I were just talking in the last episode, actually, about two of the things that are so attractive uh, about THOS is the accessibility of, of TA and how accessible the language is, the models are. So it's really great to hear that coming through from you as well. Yeah. as being one of your focal points. Yeah. yeah, and just simple words like discounts or strokes. And suddenly there's so much understanding when you think about the stroke economy. There's so many ways you can use that. Mm-hmm. For instance, I was talking about how I was spending time with my family, right? With the children, they're six years old. You can't really talk to them a lot about deep stuff, but still just for them to understand what kind of strokes they're asking for and what kind of strokes they're getting is yeah. a very... Um, powerful aha moment for them as well so i love that about ta that it is so simple Mm. and so accessible and so easy for us to use yeah i feel that is the power of ta and i love that i have access to it yeah i love that when i get to share a piece of theory with a client and i know in advance that this is going to really open their mind up to their current circumstance And then after you've shared it and they are just stunned by how you've explained what's going on within them or between them and another person. And they go away for that week and come back and start talking to you in a new language that they've discovered is a beautiful thing. Welcome to the team, Hill. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's great to be part of this team. So, Joy, it's great to welcome you too. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much. I'm Joy and uh, I've been a corporate warrior for almost 25 years now and uh, been into learning and development through and through. Uh, I've yeah. been into learning and development with corporates and organization for uh, almost the 18 years of my initial corporate life. And then I branched out on my own and started my own learning and development solutions firm. Yeah. 
But basically, I've been providing learning solutions or training solutions through whether it's leadership or managerial excellence or coaching, performance coaching or interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships you know, to various corporates. So the last five years, I've also been learning and a student of transactional analysis. Yeah. And like Parul said, I'm also heading towards the journey of a CTA hopefully really soon. But it's been a, a beautiful experience, a very good experience for me. Transactional analysis, the introduction was quite accidental for me because I'm forever as a learning and development facilitator looking for tools and framework to yeah. use where I could use in my workshop, where I can use it to make sense of certain things. Yeah, I'm also quite a cognitive person. I realize the rational part of it works very well for me. However, one of the things which I've been always grappling with was how to simplify things. And then, like I said earlier, I came across, stumbled across transaction analysis. I was personally, professionally, I was going through certain challenges myself, which were actually the intrinsic factors which I wasn't aware of. Yeah. As a father also, I was grappling with certain issues which I wasn't aware of. Yeah. I went there in, in all my naivety exploring another tool <laughs> which I would be famous to yes. other people. And the first thing that happened to me was the three beliefs or the three pillars of TA. And I found it very empowering. The third philosophy which says that at any point of time, we can change our destiny by changing yeah. our decisions or our choices. Yeah. yeah. It was such a simple statement. But for the first time in my life, I was suddenly it made me reflect upon certain things which I was really throwing it out in there in the world, which I was telling myself was stopping me because I didn't have any control. And I felt that it was time to reflect back. Yeah. And the first thing that I applied that to was when I came ac- across the ego states was myself as a father. Yeah. Because my, my son was six years old and I had a quite a traumatic relationship with my father. And had made certain resolutions in my life that I will not turn into him with my son. And the first day of the session, I remember I walked out of that session. I realized that I'm being exactly like him. That was both (laughs) a traumatic experience for me as well as an uplifting experience for me. And I remember I came back and that day itself, I had a conversation with my six-year-old son. It's funny, but I had a very intense conversation with him. And uh, he changed everything for me. For the first time, I felt really authentic. I mm. felt that if I needed to move forward, I had to be vulnerable and I needed to really examine myself and put it out there in the table for all my relationship for myself, first of all. That is how transaction analysis gripped me. Yeah. And that, that was, was after one day, day of training. Yeah. <laughs> one yeah. day of training. Yeah. It was really hard hitting. Uh, yeah. To be very honest, it, it, I wasn't very amused by the end of the day about <laughs> myself. But I was blessed with very good trainers, be it yeah. Anishandi from Bangalore or Dr. Surya Kumar or even Sylvie. And I'm really blessed because I didn't intentionally get into the field of counseling, but I was blessed with my peers, including Parul. We've shared a group and the study group for the past four years now, Parul. And, and I think I've learned so much from them. I then decided that I'm already into organizational psychology in some way or the other. I've also done the coaching, gotten into the coaching field, and it would be a very good new skill to acquire in terms of the counseling. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a coach, I was already applying it. I actually apply it in my training programs as well, yeah. through a lot of communication, interpersonal relationship, even leadership. Yeah. I use it a lot of the ego states when I'm doing theater workshops. And, yeah, and you're, you're, yes, you're I, an so I do a lot of theater. Yes, I am. That's something that is my passion, which I pursue. And I use all the theater techniques also in my training programs. Yeah. I'm also part of, I'm a hotelier. So I also do a lot of L&D with hotels. Okay. And I know the way, um, every time I come across people, in fact, next week, I've influenced a couple of people to go and attend TA 101. These (laughs) are the training managers of two of my hotels. Excellent. I've been sharing experiences with them. And I'm really thrilled to be able to do that because they're, and I only share my personal experiences and uh, I don't have to sell it to anybody. Yeah. And that is what I find really powerful about TA. Yeah. That it's really so empowering and using my own personal examples as a learner, as a, in, in personal and professional life. I feel it's got such a huge potential. Yeah. And I feel a little frustrated that people do not know. Still, it's, it's at a very nascent stage. We know what you mean. Yeah. And we I just want to say, actually, that we are really excited to have both of you on board. And as John said, 
early stages, we recognize that you've got these two white European guys putting out a podcast that represents a body of work that's very international. And we're really excited to have you both on board coming from a culture which is very different in many ways to, to Western European culture. We were sharing in the last episode just some of the insights that Anna Chandy offered to the COVID discussion and how helpful it was to see things from a different perspective. And so we're, we're so happy that we've got you guys on board as individuals from another frame of reference, because we think that's going to only en enliven and enrich the process and the conversations that we're going to be having with the TSTAs in the counseling field. So yeah, we're really happy to have you on board. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very excited to be a part of this group as well. So thank you. It's going to be great. Really mm. excited about it. The next place, the slot we needed to film at was yeah. in the educational field. And the educational field is so dear to my heart because yeah. when I began studying EdTA with Giles, it changed my life as a learner. Oh my God. And so I'm so passionate about it. And although it's not my focus area anymore, it's really dear to my heart. Yeah. So that's why it feels so fitting that we're bringing in somebody else to work with you, Matt, on that, yeah. whose heart also lies in the educational field. And um, we want to welcome Sarah Lowe's. Welcome, welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Thank you very much. Very exciting to be here. We're really pleased about <laughs> the fact that you're joining the team because I know you guys trained together, didn't you? Yeah, you had a year yes. together. Yeah. And we've met before, haven't we? A number of different encounters across the Burn Institute. So we're yeah. really excited about having you join the team. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I've just been sat here listening to Joy thinking, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. I don't know how our paths haven't yet crossed Joy. But professionally, I work as an executive coach or delivering development programs in organizations, primarily in the United Kingdom. And I've been working in learning and development for about 15 or so years. But that wasn't the original plan. The original plan decided age 10 years old in Stratford-upon-Avon was that I was going to be a rich and famous actress and have an Oscar by the time I was 30. And those of you who can see me now will be able to assess fairly quickly that I'm somewhat behind schedule on that particular <laughs> target. Um, I did go to drama school and I got a temp job after I left drama school in the early mid 2000s and a manager in that role noticed that I was really good at training new starters in the nuances of the role we were a correspondence officer so it was about coming to a decision and he god bless him set me off on a secondary career where rather than indulging my fascination by playing different characters on the stage, I started to indulge my fascination by being with different people and supporting them yeah. to be the best version of themselves in the work environment. Love it. And yeah, I come from a family where we've always been fascinated by people. My, my mother, funnily enough, was a, a drama teacher in primary school. Hence where you get that. Hence where I get that from. And my, <laughs> so we've my got actors on the team now. Then. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yes. And my, my dad's a retired minister in the United Reform Church in the United Kingdom. So he's always been very much about the sitting beside people whilst they are going through the most wonderful experiences in life and also through the most difficult experiences yeah. in life. They've both heavily influenced my interest in people, whether that's on stage or off stage. Yeah. Um, so how did you first come across TA then? What was your introduction? The interesting thing is you mentioned the fact that John and I have trained at the same institute. John and I were actually introduced to transaction analysis by exactly the same person. But that's John awesome. and I didn't meet for about five or six years after this particular event happened. I was working in, a, in an organization where I was responsible for the learning and development and we got a company to come in and deliver a leadership program to the senior leadership team. I supported the delivery of that with the guy who came in to facilitate it, who, to cut a long story short, became a professional mentor for me. He was also probably around about the same time delivering a leadership program for an organization that John was working in. And he's trained in transactional analysis. And I don't particularly in those early conversations remember him talking to me about it. But a couple of years after I met him, I ended up going self-employed and starting my own company. I became an associate of his company, and he asked me to support the delivery of a four-day residential leadership program that, that he facilitated with a colleague. And on day three of that program, the delegates were introduced to ego states. 
And it was a colleague of ours who did that session. And I must have listened to Brian in that sort of first 18 months do that session about 40 times to the point where I could quote his script back to him better than he could. <laughs> and I was pointing, I said, oh, you didn't tell that story today when he did it. And I noticed two things. One was every time he ran it, you just watch the light bulbs going on yeah. above everybody's heads and people having sudden realizations. And very much like Joy was just saying, not just about the professional stuff, but also about dynamics in their personal relationships, why sometimes they tended to take that sort of a tone as a manager yeah. because of maybe something they'd experienced growing up. Yeah. The other thing, though, that really struck me was, despite the fact that I heard it 40 times, I never got tired of it. Yeah. And every time I was suddenly thinking, oh, hello, maybe that's why I do that. I was experiencing these realizations for myself. And I, I both, I went into training both because I really wanted to explore this more for me and also because I wanted to be able to use it with my own clients. And I wanted to be trained in doing that because I was mindful that there are some real depths you can go with TA for all that it is apparently quite simple. The diagrams are always easy to get your head around. There are also some depths to that. And I wanted to be able to show care for my clients in exploring these depths for them where I'm primarily working in an organizational environments and making sure that I do so appropriately mm. so that they can then go back to work and use it effectively with their own people. Yeah. Wow. It's great, isn't it? I love that story of you being able to hear it 40 times and still not get bored of it. Oh, I loved I it. feel very similar. And actually... One of the things that I love about my role is being able to share it. I never get bored of sharing it because Absolutely. like you say, you, you nearly always see light bulbs go on a bit, this moment of wonder where people realize. So yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, very much so. It's great. Really happy to have you on board. Oh, really I'm so looking excited. forward to <laughs> us doing the education episodes together. Yeah. And actually one of the things I need to account for is we don't have a co-host yet for psychotherapy. But that's okay because we have done more psychotherapy episodes currently than any other. And so I have a bit of time to find the co-host for that. Also to put it out there now is that we're probably looking for someone international yeah, to bring more diversity. So just to put that out there. <laughs> if you're yeah. interested, we're accepting applications. Yeah. <laughs> And an application doesn't mean you're in, but we're accepting applications. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you if you're interested in co-hosting some of the psychotherapy episodes in the future. Over the next 12 months, really, we're going to be focusing on catching up with the episodes, mainly with counselling. And I think after that, Org and Ed will be doing a few of those. We don't really need to record any psychotherapy episodes for a little while, just in order to bring about that equity, because we really do want to have a situation where we represent all four fields equally. So I thought maybe we could have a little group conversation about what's of interest to you when we have conversations with people who are experts in the fields. Is there anything that you are particularly interested in? or anything that you would particularly like to have put out there into the world that would pique people's interest in TA? So I would like to say that personally, what really grips me is, even when it's an expert, what really makes a difference and what I'd like to hear is people's personal account or a lot of examples about the application of TA. Yeah. What a lot of people also resonate with is the application in my personal life as well as a coach, as a leader, as a trainer or as a counselor. Mm. Whenever I've shared my experiences about how I've applied it and how certain concepts have made a difference to me, that really creates a lot of engagement because I feel being from a learning and development field and whenever I hear the name expert, a lot of people assume that there's a person who's going to come and give you sermons. Mm. And uh, uh, it turns it around when a lot of people share about their application or even examples of other people. Yeah. It really grips people and it influences rather than, it's like a pull approach rather than a push approach. Sure. So that yeah. is something that really fascinates me. Yeah, great. And actually, I think some of the, the best moments of the podcast have been those moments. I agree. I was just going to say, probably just because I was thinking about it, is when Parol and Joy were doing the introductions earlier, particularly Parol. Parol and I do very similar work but we're not in the same fields at the moment. We're not studying this. I mean, I have studied Org TA, 
but I'm going for my CTA in ed. And I'm curious about how people have chosen the fields that they've chosen. Now, that, this might just be a sort of side conversation during an episode, but I guess it is born out of a bit of a feeling like I had to choose whether I was ed or org in terms of deciding which field. And I was like, can't I be both? It has helped me to come to a conclusion around the fact that my fundamental passion is learning and the learner and their journey. I'm interested in that more systemic organizational view and it's nice to be able to pull back. But at the end of the day, my passion is actually the conversation and the impact on the people who are in the room with me, which is why I have ended up going down the educational route. Mm. I've done a diploma in org, but I'm doing the CTA in ed. So I think there's something interesting about how people's journey to their field and how they feel about the classifications and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We know Giles has some very strong opinions about that, for example, such as a lot of people end up qualifying in psychotherapy because they don't realize there's other fields, even though they might be more suitable for them, given their past career experience. That's one thing. In the um, UK, especially. In the UK, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's so relevant internationally, probably. Yeah. But in the UK, definitely. And for me, Sarah, I think it's been a very long journey of trying to figure out, you know, yeah. which one. And, and even then it's like, oh, I still don't know if I'm still actually very clear, but I know that this is the right starting point because it is where the majority of my work is mm-hmm. or has been. Mm-hmm. And I might do another <laughs> one afterwards, um, <laughs> you know, and. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, w- one of my supervisors has been actually very helpful more recently in that because they were very directive. Mm. And I, I think I was actually looking for that. And they said, John, do your organizational CA first mm-hmm. and then do educational afterwards. And if you really want to do psychotherapy in the future, do that last. Yeah. And I yeah. actually just really needed that. <laughs> Yeah, because we really needed somebody to be to not be like, what do you think? I've had a lot of that. I needed that kind of this is how I see it in my wisdom. And I found that really useful. But I think you raise a very interesting conversation there. And I'm thinking, Sarah, that could be a really cool special theme. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. I also like the way that your supervisor framed it, which is do this first. So in some way, you don't have to just make something that's forever. But it's a good way to start knowing what you're going to apply the most. And learning, like you said, since you said you're a learner, eternal learner, there's no end to it, right? You Mm. can do all four. (laughs) You've got lots of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, you choose the easiest one first. Or not the easiest field, but the easiest one for you. Makes sense. Yeah. And for me, what's interesting is, and I think you could argue this from any one of the fields, maybe not any one of the fields, but education is across all of them because we're all learners and we're all getting educated. And then our intention actually in all fields is to educate in some way or form. And yeah, it is a fascinating... Education is king <laughs> or queen. Yeah, yeah, let's not all get carried away. Well, I think Joy was just going to say something yeah. there. I found it very, very interesting what Sarah said and even uh, John said. In fact, my experience would be completely different. Everything my professional life and everybody else told me to go with organizational TA. And uh, uh, I happened to find a group where everybody was into counseling. I've never been trained at counseling. I've been a facilitator. I've also done a coaching certification. And everything told me, everybody told me not to go for counseling. But somewhere along the line, I trusted my gut feeling because it came out calling to me and I went with counseling. And I think I made the best decision that I could. Very interesting question. How do we get into what we are doing? Absolutely. I think just inspiring so much conversation Mm -hmm. within us between counseling and psychotherapy. I I struggled as well to decide. And I don't think my mind's completely made up if I'm going Mm -hmm. to just do just one or follow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think it's a, it'll make for a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing since uh, you asked, Matt, was about different types of frameworks and how they've evolved or different people have imagined or reimagined certain things like the same discount matrix can be done with the steps of six steps to success and things like that. So for me, when I'm listening to an expert talk, it's really interesting to also discover frameworks which 
look at something we know already in a different way. Yeah. And looking at how various people have interpreted. Yes. Um, I think that can be a very interesting approach just to know that kind of stuff and it allows you to think of your own models and it, it inspires you to think of how this is a very dynamic co-creative yes. really TA and yeah. depending on the client and the practitioner you can yeah. evolve methods and tools and techniques which might inspire other people. Yeah. One of the things I find really interesting about the episodes that we record normally, and it's fantastic that you guys are going to be part of this, is that it is very co-creative and emergent. We we do, as we've said, we have this loose structure of questions that we might ask. And so much comes out of conversation, the co-creative mm-hmm. approach that it's in dialogue and it's in relationship that new discoveries are made or insights are had and that we establish ourselves. It's, it's great. Even just having this conversation here and loving this. We're going to be able to do this in the future as well. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's. I agree with the uh, Parul because sometimes I work with clients and I also like to propagate, make them part of the process of the framework. They understand the drivers. Some of them are very enterprising, and I've had some clients who come back a week after the session, and they've come back and they've actually laid it out for me in terms of what their drivers are and what their injunctions mm-hmm. are and how it things have been stopping, and they completely lay out a framework of TA in front of me. And it's really fascinating. And I just tell them at the end of it, okay, we are done. When do I come to you for therapy next? It's really insightful how even clients are able to make those interpretations yeah. and those applications and those connections. And uh, not to mention, amazingly satisfying because what really great thing about TA is the empowerment it gives to everybody. As a counselor, I'm not looking at fixing somebody and uh, it's a co-creative space where some of the insights are so educational so amazing that comes out from the clients themselves. And those are the kind of things which I think make it much more real mm-hmm. for people to get engaged with again. Yeah. I When you were talking about uh, referencing a client, Joy, I was thinking about Stutz. Has anybody watched yes. uh, Stutz Netflix. on Netflix? Oh my God. It's a documentary on Netflix where Jonah Hill the comedian creates over the span of a year, I think it is, a documentary about his most intimate discussions that he has with his therapist, whose name is Stutz. Yeah. And it's incredible. And it came up into my mind, Joy, because of what you were saying about your client coming back to you and being like, look what I don't, because that was very part of the documentary. But what I really like about that, and I think it's so true to TA and Matt were actually, and I were just talking about this in the last episode is, one, how accessible TA is, that clients can do that. It's not this mysterious thing that the professional is doing. It's very open and transparent, but also how it creates equity in the relationship from the get-go. Because although we might be experts in the sense that we've trained, we, we don't have expert status that puts us above the client. We're yeah. meeting the client right. as another individual who is valuable and we're doing the work together. And I think that's so important. And one of the reasons why TA is so powerful. One of the topics that I'm passionate about at the moment, my current special interest is radical inclusion, but really through the diversity and inclusion and access lens. I think probably worldwide, but definitely within the TA community as well. So I think that's something that I'm going to be wanting to talk about and explore and create a space, actually, because I'm not sure that we think about it often enough now. Yeah. So I think there might also be a kind of trying to forge a new space, not a new field or a new approach or anything like that, but to bring it in a bit like how Giles and Haley have brought Eco TA kind of gone. This is something that's relevant for all of the fields and for us living in the planet, which is mm. suffering, but also to look at oppression yeah. and have that as more of a central topic. And I mean that globally, not through any one lens, yeah. but oppression and marginalization of in any shape or form. Mm. Yeah. And how I- we as professionals can challenge that and invite 
people out of oppression to and empower them in ways that means that they have more autonomy. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah, you were going to come in. Well, no, I was just going to say something. A sort of, I think it's a related topic, but that some something that's been a sort of big theme I've realised in my work recently, and I will just to put in another advert for the CTA writing process. It has really helped me figure this out. It can be value to the writing process. And I'm going to just let people know CTA means Certified Transactional Analyst. Is how you qualify yeah, as a not, transactional not, analyst. Not certifiable, which is what I always find myself <laughs> wanting to say, but I think that's just how I feel at the end of the process. Um, ironically, though, Matt, you making that qualification, one of the things I think is important is about clarity of language. Yeah. <laughs> she said having just used acronyms without explanation. <laughs> and I've been reflecting in the writing process around some internal challenges I have sometimes experienced as a facilitator in a learning environment where I've heard language being used and had my own internal re- reaction to it because of my own script-based stuff, and then thought, hang on a minute, how do I need to challenge that, particularly when it's language I've heard being used about other people? It's not being language addressed to me, so why am I suddenly in jumping on my white charger and trying to help people deal with a language that they, the person who was on the receiving end of it might not have had a problem? And I think there is... we all are so in the habits and patterns of language that if nobody ever highlights the fact that to some people's ear that might sound the least patronizing at the worst incredibly offensive and dismissive and with Giles who's my supervisor I've been reflecting a lot on in starting conversations of curiosity about the difference between the intention behind the language that we use and the impact that it's having because I often think we don't stop to think about either of those things, either what's my intention, we just assume everybody knows I've got positive intention, and also has the language landed in the way that I intended it to. So yeah. I think there's, there is a whole piece there which could well fit within that sort of radical inclusion bit about that whole sort of thing around language. And the other thing I was going to say that I've really noticed about my work with leaders, and I use functional fluency a lot where it talks about, rather than talking about the parent, we're talking about the sort of being in charge mode. And there's the structuring and the nurturing side of being in charge, which to my mind is the masculine and the feminine sides of being in charge. That I've found I've ended up working recently with a lot of leaders who are men who seem to be very comfortable with that structuring masculine side of leadership. And their challenge is the nurturing, as I would call it, the more feminine side of leadership. And that is okay for them to show that care and nurture. So I I don't know quite where that would fit in somehow, but I do think there's something interesting in that, particularly when we're in an age where what does masculine and feminine, what does it mean to be a man, be a woman? There's so much change and challenge around that, which I think is really important. And what does that then mean for a leader in an organization? Yeah, I was just going to come in on on that because I think that does belong in radical inclusion. It's probably not the only place it belongs, and it definitely has a place to take up in that conversation too. And I've been having some really interesting conversations lately around that topic because somebody gave me some feedback that was even challenging for my frame of reference and how I see the world. I was a bit like, oh, okay. And they said, well, John, radical inclusion is not going to be easy for anybody, including you. Because you're going to have to include everything. And that, of course, is where I'm okay, you're okay really comes in. Yeah. Because when you have to include everything, you are going to meet things that you don't want to include. That's probably just human nature. And in the including everything, that's also not just people, behaviors, feelings. It's also people's various inner parts. Yeah. And I think that's what you were mentioning there about people's masculinity, people's yeah. femininity and how you you can and cannot include or exclude all of it so yeah i think the world's on the cusp of a very large conversation that probably comes along at the same time as the climate crisis there is a lot of big topics that that are emerging that need to be talked about socially and environmentally and i'm excited as a team i think about how we can look at some of them through a ta lens yeah absolutely and I, interestingly, when you were saying that, Sarah, I thought the inclusion stuff around language is so easy for us after we've been training in yeah. TA for four or five years to 
throw out these TA terms and anybody who's listening who's not been trained in TA starts to lose us because we're using all these pieces of language. And that's part of what we want to do as well. Mm. So when you said functional fluency, I thought, oh yeah, we need to do an episode on that. And I think we've got plans in the pipeline for that. So a particular way of seeing the ego state models and how they are applied or how they work functionally. And actually, that's what I wanted to go to just next very briefly was what do you think we could do to make the episode more accessible to non-TA people? I don't know whether you've even heard any of the episodes. I assume you have, being as you're going to be co-hosting them. But uh, but yeah, what can we do? Because I've thought maybe what we could do is ask each one of the STAs or PTSTAs to do a couple of minutes teach on one piece of theory so that each time we have someone that we're having a conversation with that there's a nugget in there early on in the episode for someone who's new to TA I don't know just an idea I love that idea I have a a radical suggestion or a radical idea which actually dominated in my head when Sarah was talking about radical inclusion all the examples and John was also talking about and I'd like to share my experience about merging both my organizational learning and development role with my counseling role. And since Matt, you're also talking about how do we make it accessible? What I'm hearing is how how to make TA sound less complex and let much more accessible to people and because people are people. And interesting part is that while the last five years I've been working with TA and I've been designing a lot of communications or interpersonal relationships or conflict handling so what I figured out is there's always, there's an external process for doing things, even for communication, and there's an internal process. And what TA has helped me is to give them what they want in terms of the processes and the models to make those decisions or to do even for communication or negotiation and conflict, but also then do the work on internal processing. I think it's something, the two words that popped into my head is it's the being versus the doing. And I think that the world or a lot of people in the world are very hungry for things to do to make their lives better. And sometimes they're not those doing things aren't as sustainable as learning to be. In a way, I think Matt and I, that was part of our aim with the podcast was to make it non-academic non-kind yeah. of do this and you'll feel better and more about having an experience of listening in on a conversation of being with Matt and I and another person and take whatever it is that you you take <laughs> whether that be many things or very few things because you know it's like that thing <laughs> I always laugh now about having learning objectives yes I was going to say that takes me to Giles' episode where it's like yeah. the absurdity of a learning. Yeah, objective. you know, it's like how arrogant of me as the trainer to define the learning objectives for the learner. Like the learner will learn whatever they learn when they learn it. Yeah. And that will be okay for them in that moment. So I think mm. the podcast works a little bit like that for me as well, is that the listener gets whatever they get and that's perfect for them in that moment. Yeah, I wrote down actually something I didn't share earlier is just trusting the process, which mm. is I know something that's, that Adrian Lee talks a lot about, just placing the trust in the process. So maybe we just need to continue having conversations and don't worry too much about firing off a particular question. I think so. I think that's definitely my invitation anyway, or my stance is that this format already works really well. Yeah. And, and we all know if it changes because the listening the listener numbers will reduce or we'll start to get yeah. feedback or. Yeah. Parole is going to say something. But wait, the- I resonated with what you said, which is trust the process. And I think um, trying, you know, experimenting, being iterative, it's always a good way to also see what's working. Like when we talk about radical inclusion, I mm. feel strongly that different people take away different things from yeah. whatever they're consuming as content. Yeah. And maybe the same thing will resonate differently another time when they hear it or if it if the context was different. So to me, what's fun is that this is such a fluid, dynamic medium uh, yeah. that we can try a few things. I really like the idea of having a little nugget for people who may not understand TA terms so much or a little bit of learning, but also 
having client cases being discussed as success stories, of course, with complete anonymity, but just what different people have taken away Mm -hmm. from these different fields. These are all really empowering things for people who are hearing it for the first time. It's pretty much what's in it for me, right? I personally feel that we can experiment with some of these different things with the duration. I think Matthew and I talked about how or even how long the podcast is. Sometimes I decide which one to hear depending on what I'm doing. So if I have a 40 minute commute or a 40 minute walk that I'm going for, I want to pick something that's going to fill that time. So Mm. just playing around with those kind of things, I feel that we'll start to see what's really resonating for people. Yeah, that's Mm. a good point. In the spirit of authenticity and with a little sense of humor, Thanks, Matt, for pointing out the learning objectives bit. Because <laughs> in the past, I've been guilty of it myself. <laughs> I think we all. I think we all have definitely. Yeah. The re-education for us all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that idea. This is what you're gonna learn. And actually, what I love that point you said, Parole, about how at different times and different contexts we take different things away. I know I've listened to some of the podcasts that we recorded earlier on. I listened just recently, actually, for a highlights episode that we've just recorded. And what was shared meant something very different. Or I noticed or things were highlighted for me because of changing the context of a few years of my life. So I guess we we should be bringing this episode to a close. We could probably chat for hours <laughs> about our experience of TA and all the wonderful ways in which it's influenced us and the way it impacts our clients and our work. Um, but we, we, first of all, just want to say thank you for being part of this to all three of you. We are really excited about seeing what will emerge in the long term. Likewise, it's exciting to kick this off. And I think we will end up talking for hours <laughs> in the next few months. But it's good to be there here together as part of one team right now. As always, if you found anything in today's episode interesting, please feel free to reach out. You can visit our website, which has lots of information and resources, transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead at gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you aren't already, please follow us wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening. This is sponsored by the International Transactional Analysis Association. You can find more information on the ITAA at www.itaaworld.org and the European Association for Transactional Analysis. You can find more information on the IATA at www.eatanews.org.